0: The rest of the year. And so if, if that breakfast is any kind of sign of what the rest of the year is going to be like for our ladies and the various ministries and works that they do in the life of this congregation, we're looking forward uh, to this year. Kara and Casey Maddox spoke and they did a tremendous job, I'm told, and we're thankful for them, and we're thankful for their life and the much good that they do all of the time in the life of this congregation. We just love and appreciate them and the whole Maddox family. Find your place. God's given you ability. He gives you opportunities. Find your place. to Be connected. You may have noticed something this morning that, that was almost impossible not to notice. There were visitors all over this auditorium. God is really giving us the opportunity to reach out and to touch the lives of others. And I want to encourage you to be sure after every service, don't use that first five or 10 minutes to visit with your, your brothers and sisters that you know so well. Use that first five or 10 minutes to visit with those guests that are sitting around you that they're looking for God. That's the most important thing. They're looking for God. They believe that something is missing in their life and they want to find God. And if we can help embrace them to show them God's love, they will stick around here long enough To learn more about the teachings of God and about the life that comes through God. And so I hope all of us see it as our our ministry to reach out and make a difference. It'll be interesting to see from the guest cards this week, just how many visitors it was all over. Let's, Let's capitalize on the opportunities God has given us for his glory. We don't want to just be religious people. We truly want to be disciples. Religion's important. God is the one who created religion. But our life as a disciple, as a Christian, is so much more than simply religion. A disciple who is one who follows the teacher as well as his teaching. And Jesus Christ is our master, and we want to be a disciple of his. And so over the last few weeks, We continue to ask various questions that challenge us to evaluate our lives as to what kind of disciples are we so as to make sure that we're faithful disciples of Jesus. We've asked the question, who is your Lord? That leaves us, if Jesus is our master, for us to have to ask ourselves, who are you? In other words, am I a servant to Jesus? Am I submissive to him in all things? Then we ask, who is your Barnabas? We all need someone in our life that is pulling us up to a closer relationship with God, that's challenging us to use the gifts that God has given us in the best way for the kingdom. We need someone who is a strong enough influence in our life that they can rebuke us and that we will grow from their correction. And then we ask the question, who is your Timothy? Just like Paul had Barnabas lifting him up, in turn, Paul was able to turn around and lift so many up, and Timothy was the example that we looked at there. We have done a huge disservice to the kingdom if our idea is, I am blessed, period. That's not true. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Paul realized the many blessings that, were, that he had obtained within his life, and so he constantly looked around to see how he could bless others. Who are you blessing? Who are you reaching out to in whatever gift or ability and whatever resources God has given you? Who are you reaching out to to make a real, lasting, and eternal difference in their life? But then tonight, we ask an important question. Where is your Antioch? That may seem like a strange question, or if you know the life of Paul very well, you may say, wow, that's a neat way to word that. Well, at least by the end of this lesson, I hope all of us are saying, that is a neat way to word that, and we all will realize with, with greater appreciation and conviction that all of us needs an Antioch in our life. Now, I'm not talking about the city right down the road. I'm talking about, we'll, we'll see as, as we look at that. Now, as we think about that, I'd like for you to think about the fact are you in tune? What in the world does that mean? Are you in tune? Do, do you realize that all throughout this room right now, you and I are surrounded by radio waves, television waves. We're surrounded by cell service. We're surrounded by police dispatch. You see, if, if you had the right receivers and you were in tune, you'd probably be hearing a replay of the Brady Bunch right now. or Or you might be hearing right now the Steelers and the Jets as they're playing right now somebody's probably doing that aren't you but 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 think about it if if you if if you were in tune if you were in tune these things are surrounding us it's just right now we're not in tune to them i know i've given you this example before but but to me it's just so it's it's so real I don't remember what movie it was off of, but it was one of these Australian guys and he was out of place walking through New York City and he's walking with his New Yorker and then all of a sudden with with all this hustle and bustle of the traffic, the honking of the horns, just noise pollution was so loud and he says, shh. And the New Yorker stops like he's crazy. and He says, and he turns around and reaches over and he catches a cricket. And the New Yorker says, there's no way you heard that cricket. He says, sure. You hear what you listen to. And the New Yorker says, nobody could have heard that cricket. He says, I'll prove it to you. And he pulled out several coins and he threw them on the ground and everybody in New York City turned around and looked at him. What are you in tuned to? What do you see without missing it? You hear it and never fail to hear it. Are you in tuned to power? Are you in tuned to popularity? Are you in tune to laziness? To apathy? Are you in tune to pleasure? You just can't wait for that next great relaxing weekend. And, and if that's offered, you never miss it. Are you in tune to the next trip that's being offered? Are you in tune to vices? To alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, to gambling? Listen. There's not a person here that's not in tuned to several things. And there's something about the way God made us. We all need an Antioch to help keep us focused. We need a group of people that's going to strengthen us. It's not our design that we need a church family. It's God's design that we need a church family. God could have designed Christianity in a discipleship any way God wanted to design it. He could have said, become a Christian and go out and live on an island by yourself. Become a Christian and live isolated. Never let your paths cross with other Christians. Never have anything to do with them. He could have talked about discipleship and never illustrated it as family. But instead, he did illustrate it as Family. And even talked about, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Why? Because God just wanted another rule? No, because God knew that we needed each other. Whenever we fail to intertwine our lives, we start losing the frequency of Christianity. We stop being the disciples God wants us to be. It is our church family that helps strengthen us and keeps us in tune with discipleship. I'd like to give you just a few passages quickly from from Paul's life as it pertains to him being in tune with God. But then right after that, I'd like for you to notice these passages where Paul was in tune with God ever so close and these contacts continually were made through the Antioch church. What a powerful example to think that this church had such a huge impact in the life of Paul who I think most of us are comfortable saying was probably the greatest missionary to ever live. Well, who strengthens that kind of man? Who helps that kind of man be focused? Who sends out that kind of man? Who stirs that man up to good works? The church at Antioch was a huge part of the life of Paul. But you see, it doesn't matter what kind of Antioch you're a part of if it doesn't start with you. So first, let's start with Paul. And by the way, no apologies granted here in this. It's just a fact. Several of the passages we'll look at tonight, we'll look at. Uh, we looked at them also last week. We looked at them in view of, or maybe even the week before that. But we looked at them in view of Barnabas and Paul. But tonight, I want you to see them as they relate, especially to to Paul and the church at Antioch. But first, let's just see this life of Paul. Look with me if you will. Acts the ninth chapter, and, and here is the key to being in tune to the will of God. It has to start with individual. You remember when he's on the way to Damascus, he, he is Saul at this point. He's the persecutor of Christians. He's a zealous Jew that does not believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. The bright light shines down, and, and there's that discussion from Jesus. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse four, and, and then verse five, he says, When he asks, who are you, Lord? And he says in five, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now notice verse six. So he trembling and astonished. So at this moment, he realizes that, that this is Jesus of Nazareth. This is the Lord. This is his Messiah. What is his first response going to be? Let this be every one of our responses. Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you think Saul was in tune to God's will? Now granted, before this he was very mistaken to what God's will was. But once he starts seeing clearly who the Messiah is, immediately his response is, "Lord, what do you want me to do?" Listen. If I can get up every morning with a sincere desire to say, "Lord, I want to be yours today. What do you want me to do? As it relates to my family, to work, to my neighbors, to to friends. Lord, what do you want me to do? When things aren't going right in the day, when, when the burdens seem heavy, what if my immediate response is, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord told him what he wanted him to do in this particular occasion. He said he wanted him to go to Damascus and wait, and we told him what he must do. And remember when Ananias came to tell him what he must do? Now here is a description of that time. Look, still here in the ninth chapter, look at verse 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now when you hear Paul tell this story again in Acts 22 and 16, we learn what should be inserted here if you want the whole story. And that's where Ananias arrives to him and says, Saul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And now Paul says, what did I do? When he told me the will of God, immediately he got up, he obeyed God's will, he was baptized. Why? Because we see a man, his life was in tune to doing God's will. You remember, we also looked toward the end uh, or the middle of the ninth chapter. You remember when he wanted to go back into Jerusalem, but everybody remembered him as the one that persecuted Christians? I just want to point out before we leave this chapter. Notice there in 26, when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. And remember, Barnabas steps up and, and is that go-between in 27 and 28. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out. That's what we're talking about tonight. We all need to belong. We need to belong to a greater whole than just ourselves. We need to belong to a congregation. We need an Antioch in our life that we can be a part of because it is essential to our spiritual development and to the maintenance and perseverance in our life. So as we think about Antioch, let's go to the 11th chapter now. In Acts the 11th chapter, and notice, you remember that Barnabas was sent up. And by the way, just a little quick history lesson here. The day of Pentecost, the Jews were reached. The first several years, it was only the Jews that were being reached. And finally, Cornelius was reached. You see, the the gospel began in Jerusalem and spread out through Judea and then in Samaria. And finally, some of the Gentiles were being reached. But still, when we talk about reaching Gentiles on a huge scale, it's kind of like... Antioch was the beachhead. In other words, if, if you were going to plan out God's scheme to say, how are we going to reach the masses? Number one, we need a missionary to the Gentiles. That's where Saul comes into play. And we need this place that this man that is going to reach the Gentile nation can work out of that's primarily a Gentile city and congregation. And so this is where Antioch comes into play. This is going to be key to reaching the Gentile nation. And so we're 25 years after the day of Pentecost. The church is, is 25 years old, but it is just now really starting to swell and, and to, to reach the Gentile nations. And so with this in mind, you remember that Jerusalem receives word that Antioch is doing well, but they probably could use help. And so they send Barnabas there. Barnabas is so intrigued by the success of the gospel there. Well, let's just notice what happens. Look here in the 11th chapter in verse 25. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him where? To Antioch. Friends, Paul's life is going to be different Because of his time that he spends with this great congregation. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and they taught a great many people and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Barnabas is working with the church at Antioch. He sees that there is a need for greater labors. And what does he do? He leaves the church at Antioch to seek out Saul so he could bring him back you need an Antioch. You need a church that will seek you out. You need a church that believes that your soul is worth investing in. You need a church where they know you, they love you, and they value you. Barnabas knew Saul. He longed to work with Saul. He saw the potential that Saul had that probably others couldn't see. Now friends... I almost hesitate to say what I just said because there may be someone sitting in this audience that's been coming to this congregation for a year or more, and you may be saying, I don't feel like anybody knows me. What are we going to do about it? We all have a responsibility. When we talk about the congregation at Mount Juliet, who is that? It's not just the elders, it's not just the staff. It's not just the deacons. If we don't know each other like we should, we, we have a problem. And the only one that can solve that problem is us. We need to be a church that believes every soul is important and we seek out each other. We can't seek each other if we don't know each other. We can't seek each other if we don't love each other. We can't seek each other if our lives aren't intertwined together. We can't all know and be close to everybody, but all of us can know and be close to some. I beg you to be thoughtful. I beg you to be prayerful. I beg you to be intentional to make sure that we are an Antioch-type church That we are a church that's willing to go out and to seek individuals. And whether it's tonight with guests that we have tonight or Wednesday night or next Sunday morning. What if every one of us, every one of us that's a member of this congregation says, I'm going to greet a visitor every time we come together. What if that was our goal? No member here leaves without greeting at least one guest every time. Well, I don't know who's the guest and who's the newer members. Well, that's reason to greet them. We have to take responsibility. The Antioch church, Barnabas went out and he sought Saul. But I'd like for you to also know in the 11th chapter in verse 27, there was that great famine that was taking place. And so from Jerusalem, the prophet... Uh, Agabus is sent up to tell about this famine. Now, keep in mind, a primarily Gentile congregation is hearing about this. What are they going to do for this primarily Jewish area of Jerusalem and Judea? Now, there had been sharp, sharp prejudice for generations between the Jews and the Gentiles. Notice the heart of the Gentiles now that they have become disciples. In 29, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So what Antioch do? Here's this church in Antioch that hears of the famine that's coming and they look over to their Jewish in in, in nationality brothers and sisters in Christ and they say, we're taking up some collections. We're going to get a nice, generous collection and we're going to need somebody to deliver it. Barnabas, Saul, we're going to call on you two to travel down to Jerusalem and deliver this generous contribution. Why do we need an Antioch? We just do a better job Of being generous when we are in a group of generous people. I feel so blessed to be a part of this congregation because I believe that I am more generous because I've been a part of this congregation. I believe my children growing up in this congregation are more generous than if they would have grown up elsewhere. I really believe that. Listen, if we're not stirring each other up to be generous, we're not an Antioch type of church. And that generosity doesn't either begin or end with money. That's important to be generous with money, but it's also important to be generous with the gifts and the abilities God gives us. It's important to be generous with our hospitality. It's important to be generous with our time. Everything that we have, that God has given us that is good, we need to stop and ask ourselves, are we generous? And we also, as a congregation, need to stop and ask ourselves, do we stir each other up to love and good works? Now, hey, let's not do this to brag on ourselves. Let's do this to simply make a point. Do you realize that, that in the, the budget that was met last year and the report that was given hundred and seventy six thousand dollars was given in just simple acts that came up that was outside the budget but it was things that this congregation believed that we should be a part of whether it's earthquakes or supporting mission work that wasn't previously in the budget or flood relief think about that a hundred and seventy six thousand why Because, hopefully, we're a type of Antioch church where, individually, we would never accomplish what we do collectively. But also, I'd like for you to see in the 13th chapter, the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys. And that's quite a statement to talk about the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys. You remember who sent him? It was the church in Antioch in the 13th chapter where he and Barnabas were working. And in verse 2 it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. It takes an amazing congregation to love the work of the Lord and the Lord's kingdom more than we love each other. Did you get that? It takes an amazing congregation to love the Lord and His work, His kingdom, more than we love each other. You know, if we love each other the most, a church like Antioch, instead of it being this story that Paul and Barnabas were sent out on this great missionary journey, if we loved each other the most, it'd go like this. Well, the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas to go out, but you know... Barnabas is our favorite encourager and and Paul is our favorite speaker and teacher and preacher in the Antioch church. And so I tell you what, there's two other guys that they haven't been here very long and we don't really know them that well. Really, I don't think they're, they're really that good of teachers. But I tell you what, we decided we're going to send those two because we want to keep Paul and Barnabas. Now really, how many of us want to take the ones that we love dearly and when the Lord opens up a door Who should be the biggest cheerleader? Who should be the one saying, do you need support? Do you need help? We want to be an Antioch church. The other day, I don't know why these thoughts just popped through my mind. I wasn't trying to think of this. It just kind of dawned on me as I was looking at all of our mission work and all Do you realize we're probably not that many years away? Oh, it may be a decade, but we're probably not that many years away where we will have more missionaries in the field than we've ever had and probably every one of them will come from this congregation. Isn't that a neat thought? It's happening more and more. And if it continues at the rate it is, But isn't that kind of the way a strong congregation is supposed to be? Aren't we supposed to be a type of Antioch church that says, hey, we raise up our people not to love them and keep them. We raise them up to open the doors, to allow God to open the doors. And we support them. And we send them. Sure. It'd feel, from a fleshly standpoint, really good if we all stayed together from now to eternity. But friends, there's a work in the kingdom that's more important than how we feel. It's the Lord's work. It's kingdom work. We all need an Antioch church that pushes us. Not everybody needs to go to a foreign land to be a missionary. That would mean we all had the same spiritual gifts and God didn't give us all the same spiritual gift. But sometime we just need a push from an Antioch-type church just to walk across the street and give an invitation. Sometime we need a push from an Antioch-type church just to do something good and hand them a kindness card. Sometime we need it to be a push to teach a class for the first time. To lead a particular work for the first time. I hope that we're an Antioch type of church. That whether it's pushing someone to the other side of the world, or it's pushing us across the street, or if it's pushing us into a new ministry, we're a congregation that's always doing that. Friends, we need each other. When we ask the question tonight, Where is your Antioch? We hope it's right here. But the point is implied in that. We really need to be mindful and prayerful. Are we that kind of congregation of the Lord's church? And then individually, are we allowing that type of congregation to spur us on to growth and development? Listen. This congregation could be doing everything that it ought to do. I know we're not perfect. I'm not saying we are. I'm just giving you a a fact here. If we were doing everything we ought to do perfectly, it would still be your decision as to whether or not you want to grow and develop and mature. Each of us, each of us comprises the answer. Are we in Antioch Church? It's your choice. When Amen is said tonight, it's your choice. How are we going to live our life? Where's our heart? Where's our treasure? Where are we going? What do we mean to each other? Disciples. That's what we want to be followers of Jesus and His teaching. Tonight, if we can help you in any way step closer to God, We want to do that as an Antioch type of church. If you need leading, or if you need a little bit of a push, if you need someone to pray for you, or someone to immerse you into Christ, however we can help you, please come as we stand and as we sing.